This is Everything with Allie Levine, hosted by Hollywood mom, celebrity stylist, influencer, and Bravo reality star, Allie Levine. On this podcast, you'll get a mix of, well, literally everything, from motherhood to fashion, lifestyle to spiritual well-being, all real and raw. Allie interviews celebrities, experts, influencers, entrepreneurs, and so much more. Tune in weekly to be inspired, empowered, and entertained. Hi, loves. Welcome back to Everything with Allie Levine. I'm your host, Allie, and I am so beyond excited and honored to have an incredible woman on my podcast today, the amazing Kaya Jones. She's a performer. You may know her from the Pussycat Dolls. She's now her own solo act and an incredible singing career. And she is just spreading light wherever she goes. Like whenever I see something she does, it's just everything has light around it and love. And I love what she stands for and what she shares. Kaya, welcome to my show. Thank you for having me, Allie. You're so welcome. We connected on social media and I just loved everything you were sharing with like, you know, how you align being a Christian and what you believe and how you're always trying to do the greater good for just the entire human collective. And I think we all really need that right now, no matter where you are in the world. Like you just need to know that there are people like that and that people, you know, really do support you and they really do, you know, send love to you in in a place where I think, you know, this world can feel very heavy. It's like, Hey, but listen, there are people who want that for you, you know, and, and, and who, you know, and, and want to give you that love and, and everything. And so I told you, I wanted to have you on today because I think you're amazing. I mean, your sitting career, you know, is absolutely incredible and everything you've done, you know, and I want to kind of like start, you know, if it's cool for you to share for those that, you know, maybe don't know, like you were yeah. a part of the Pussycat Dolls, like tell us about, you know, the start of your career and, and where you were and where you are now. Oh, it's such a, it's so long. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it it really is. Um, I, you know, I always wanted to perform. I knew that that was something in my heart from when I was a child. I didn't really know where I would be in performing. So I was like always studying dance and acting lessons. Um, And I remember being six and watching Whitney Houston sing the national anthem at the Super Bowl and just being enamored by the sheer incredible voice that came out of this woman and she didn't you know she wasn't jumping around on stage she was just singing and I could just feel her heart and it was just so incredible and I remember you know that night praying at the foot of my bed saying God one day please give me a voice like Whitney Houston and and that just continued for years I would pray about it like God maybe one day you'll give me a voice and Every year, of course, it changed. You know, it was Celine Dion some years, Mariah Carey, just whoever inspired me. Um, But I never really grew up with singing in my life. And so um, I went to an audition with a friend and this was like a sheer accident. This is actually how I got into the industry. It was a sheer accident. I went with a friend to uh, an audition and he needed moral support, but I was more being there to help him with his dance moves because I was so accomplished in dancing and I was uh, maybe about 12 years old at the time um and they actually asked me to audition because they liked my look but they it was for a tribute act for Britney Spears oh wow and 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 of course I was like well I could definitely dance like Britney but I I didn't know if I could sing like her so I just you know I 
thought I, how, how does Britney sound? And in my head, it was kind of like a car starter with the whole, yeah, 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 yeah. And I was like, okay, so I'm going to do the whole Britney thing. And they gave me the job. And wow. I remember, oh, like, this is so cool. If I could really do this, I don't know if I want to impersonate Britney. I think I want to be me, whatever that might be. Right. So, but at the time I didn't know what that was. And of course I said, thank you, but I'm going to really try and do this. And um, it was for, you know, a tribute act uh, performing on a cruise ship. And so uh, my mom couldn't afford vocal lessons. Uh, you know, she was a single mom at the time. Uh, my father actually was incarcerated. And I was like, well, how am I going to get better at this? <laughs> and she said, well, let's just go to karaoke. And so it was only a dollar a song to, you know, put into the like the tip jar for the DJ and so that's that's what I did for six months as my vocal lessons was karaoke um, but it taught me how to perform and be comfortable in front of people and if I messed up you know to get back up there and it was what we could afford and so um, you know from there I just started singing for everyone and anyone I could and that led me to meeting you know Eminem D12 and proof from D12 actually uh, he ended up introducing me to my first manager in the industry and I got signed uh, to R. Kelly in a development deal. And I know a lot of people have a lot of rumors around his name. I never saw anything inappropriate with him. I really, truly didn't. I was shocked like the rest of the world when I heard all of the things that were circling around him wow. um, because he was super professional with me. And when I say that, I mean like he was like he was like a drill sergeant he would have me do jumping jacks before i'd get to the microphone um because he'd say you know you need to you need to like just let it out and and, <laughs> and be really like you know strong in your voice you know and i'd come back to the mic and i'd be like <sighs> and i'd be panting and i couldn't you know and he's like you know you need to be like <sighs> you need to push that note out and i didn't understand what he meant now of course i can do it instinctively but at the time I was so young and I didn't understand I had control over my voice and control over being a real performer. And so he was one of the best uh, coaches I could have ever had. And he was very, very disciplined. So again, very shocking in later years to hear all of this madness, but you know, just because you work with someone doesn't mean you really know someone. Right. So um, I ended up, you know, being signed to him. He owned uh, my name in a contract and I couldn't get out of it. So I renamed myself Kaya, thinking that that would, uh, you know, help me get out of that contract because I heard Prince had done that. And it did work. He, he did say if I got a, a record deal under Kaya, I could, you know, continue to sing professionally. And I ended up then, you know, signing a development deal with Capitol Records when I was 16. Uh, but they wanted me as a punk rock artist and I was not punk rock, even though uh, <laughs> I tried to be, I really did. I tried, I did the whole, like, you know, fake it till you make it thing. Um, but it wasn't me. And, uh, you know, Steve Jones from the sex pistols at the time uh, had met me through uh, my producer was very good friends with him. And Joan Jonesy, uh, said, uh, you know, you need to put Jones at the end of your name and tell everybody my daughter. And I was like, oh my gosh, yes. Like who can say like a sex pistol <laughs> take the name. And so I thought it was a cool name, you know, Kaya Jones. And that's essentially how Kaya Jones was born. And um, that deal for the six months did not work out. And I auditioned for the Pussycat Dolls. I'd heard about it on MTV. 
and I was super excited. You know, this is like, look, Christina Aguilera is doing it. All these women are doing it. This is really cool. And I went to the audition and they narrowed down from, you know, 2000 girls to 200 girls just in dancing. They hadn't even heard us sing. And then from 200 down to 40 to 20 and then to two, then the additional girls were brought in from a private audition. And those were an additional two women. And then Nicole came as a, as a third. So now there was five of us. And from there, we then had to do what they called an industry only audition. And it was at the Viper Room. And of course I was thinking, well, this must be like managers and agents. That's what Nicole, myself, all of us were thinking. This must be like the agents, managers, like the who's who, right? Like they're gonna pick us. Yeah. When we didn't understand it. So I was the first one out the, uh, there, they, there was this huge doll on stage that, and we came through the O in the doll. And so I come out of the O and I'm super excited. I'm like, whoa, I'm gonna see all these, you know, big wigs who is gonna decide whether or not we're good enough. And we knew they were gonna narrow down to three. Um, and I walked out and I, you know, wanted part of the song, you know, I'm singing Fever because we didn't have any songs at the time. We were doing covers and I, you know, knelt down and I'm singing. And I realized that the industry only, like it was, but it was Gwen Stefani. It was Bon Jovi. It was JC Shaw's A. It was 50 Cent. It was like all of these superstars. I was like, oh my gosh. I was so flabbergasted at trying to remember my words at that point, right? Because now I'm performing <laughs> in front of people that really do this, right? These are the people that know what they're doing. Um, and they know how, you know, your tricks and your vocal stuff. So I'm like, I can't, this is like nerves on another level. Um, and even Nicole, you know, she, she even talked about it uh, saying, why didn't you say anything? I was like, what was I going to do? Run backstage and go, Hey, by the way, you're about to see every mega superstar you grew up listening to. Yeah. How are you going to, you can't say any of that. So, um, it, it was interesting. And, and from there they narrowed it down to the three of us, myself, Melody Thornton and Nicole Scherzinger. And we had joined the Pussycat Dolls. What we didn't know, of course, is that that was already a group. That was already an assembly of women. And so in order to make room for us, now that this was becoming a recording group, they were gonna cut dancers. And so you already have this disconnect of dichotomy, right? You already have girls that have become family now shifting to make room for these new women and us coming in kind of going, well, we wouldn't be here if you guys could sing. So we, we were hoping we were going to be like family right away, but it wasn't that. And that was the beginning of us kind of understanding then this is going to be interesting, right? This, this is yeah. different. And so that already created a tone. And from there, you know, uh, for me, I had signed with R. Kelly as a young girl. I had then gone to, and again, I repeat like nothing weird with him, then went to Capitol Records where it was all about live instrumentation and being super passionate about your words because it's punk rock. So it's really about, you know, your energy. And um, now I was in the space with all of these women fighting for what felt like just a position, which was such a, a, role, a, a role in an arena I had never gone through. Um, and that created weirdness. And of course, then the singers are always treated differently than the dancers. And when I say that, I mean, like, you know, 
the dancers would be sent home on a bus and we'd be sent home on a private plane. So that already started to create. Wow. Yeah. And this is, you know, real, like I'm, I'm sharing the things that I, I don't really share because people need to understand the tone that was created. And, and so at that point, um, you know, you, me and Nicole became very close and also Melody and, and it was kind of the dancers and then the rest of us. And, um, you know, there was a lot of trying to figure out what we were going to become as a recording group when the owner of the Pussycat Dolls was really this like accomplished uh, choreographer, dancer, uh, and she had an idea of what she wanted. Um, so you have the recording industry that wanted one thing, the owner that wanted another thing, and us girls that are kind of in the middle trying to understand all of this. Um, you know, our pay was very low because it was split between a certain amount of people, but also understand the owner and the record company were in a joint venture. So they were really the ones that were going to see the money and we were just hired cast members. Actually, that's in our, our record contract actually says we are hired cast members there. Uh, you know, if you, if you were to break something or something is to go wrong, there is no, uh, insurance or fallback. Um, and it, that was, that was hard because yeah. the singer, the singer, right. The singer dancers are kind of like, wait, what, uh, we're having to do a lot of the lifting. And then you had the dancers that were trying their hardest to break into now the music side. So it, it was a very interesting dichotomy and that, you know, counteracted with what we made then counteracted with choices right now. People have to make choices and there are good people in our industry and there are bad people in our industry, just like every business on the planet. And unfortunately, when you're a young girl and you know, you're beautiful and you know, at the same time, you're not aware of your beauty because you're insecure because magazines tell you you have to be a certain way and look at certain way. I, I don't think any of us really understood what we had on our shoulders. I think we were uh, very insecure. It, we were also conditioned constantly told that we weren't enough uh, yeah. from the moment, constantly told that we weren't uh, good enough in some way. It was never enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not skinny enough. All the things that everyone says that they go through, whether they're an actress or they're a singer or they're a dancer. Um, but ours was public humiliation uh, a lot. And, and that was hard to swallow when it's constant abuse verbally um, or midnight phone calls about what we ate that day. <laughs> and so, you know, the conditioning of mental abuse then goes to, you know, you really don't believe in yourself. By the time then any uh, people in the industry want to take advantage of these young women, um, you then have to make a choice. I use an example that I feel because I am very about my faith as, and, and know you know that because you follow me. I always talk about God. Um, I really compare it to in, in Matthew 4, it talks about how, uh, you know, Satan took Jesus up to the top of the mountain and showed him all of the kingdoms and things that he could have. And it was, you know, this is really a time of a test. And so I, I, I can only compare it to that. You know, you're going to be the biggest superstar. Here's your dream. You know, you are about to perform at all these major things. You know, I'm, I'm dating a Backstreet Boy at the time. I'm part of the number one girl group that's, you know, exploding into 
the atmosphere and I wanted to be a Spice Girl. So this was like my dream, but nobody really knew that internally all of us were very conditioned uh, who to speak, when to speak, how to speak when it comes to the press, uh, not writing our songs, not having any creative input, um, told what to wear, how to do our hair, how to do our makeup, what we ate, what we didn't eat. It, it was control, it was ultimate control. Uh, what I think a lot of the American people are feeling at this time during all of this lockdown and everything, it, it, it was like that. And um, you know, then when any kind of abuse starts, you really don't know what to do. So for me, I always compare it that I was kind of offered all of this and you feel like you're selling your soul. And that for me was not something for sale. So I, I may not have been fully walking with God at that point, but I knew that um, I would end up being a tragedy story like many industry you know, heavyweights that we can go all the way back from Marilyn Monroe to now. Uh, they're given so many blessings, but they're given so much torture. And just because it looks pretty doesn't mean that it is. So yeah, that's really where for me, I had to make a decision and it was a hard one because I hoped things would come together and change. I hoped that, you know, this was not the norm, but when you're being taken to an event in a car and then, you know, the car service is not there and so-and-so is going to give you a ride. And it starts to become this thing where like, are you pushing men onto me? What is this? This is not what I signed up for. I'm a singer. I just want to sing songs. Like I, I just want to perform like, and you're so young, you don't really even understand what's happening. And then when you talk to the people that are your closest allies, your management or your boyfriend or whomever, and their responses are, well, just do it or it's very normal is shocking because I think everyone wants fame so badly. They're willing to do whatever it takes. And unfortunately, uh, that is the industry that, that's, the, that's the way the industry has somehow become because it's become the norm, but it's not normal. It's not normal to not just be good at your job and work really hard. I mean, that, that, that should be what it's about. It should be about, I'm good at this, or I'm called to do this and I'm going to share my gift with the world. Not that I have to sacrifice my integrity, my spiritual faith, uh, you know, how I, how I want to live if you got pregnant, you had to get rid of it. And these are scars that can never be healed correctly. And which is why I hold on to God so much, because how do you heal sacrificing your baby for fame? How can anyone justify that? There, there's, there's no justification. And so years of dealing with you know, the ramifications of choices that I made at that time. Um, you know, now as an adult uh, who refuses to be a victim, I feel it's imperative to speak about it because I think young women have this idea of what fame is, but I don't think they understand uh, that it, it doesn't need to be that way. And you know what? I hope that you take my story in some kind of light and don't make the mistakes that I made. Yes. Oh my gosh. Thank you for being so honest about that. Because first off, I know that's so vulnerable to share all that, but you're right. It's so important 
to be that transparent about it because I mean, even for myself, you know, as a quote unquote celebrity stylist and getting clients, you know, best dressed and being known as the it girl and all these things, I was put in positions I didn't want to be put in as well. And I was told, you know, to, you know, to just, it's fine. It's just the way it is. And, you know, the industry and go to this party, but even though it's a really not, you know, safe environment, just make an appearance and, you know, do this and do that. And, you know, I even had people who told me when I was engaged, like, oh, well, what does that ring mean to you? And I was like, excuse me. And like, well, what does it mean to you? And I was like, it means I'm getting married. Like, is this a trick question? You know? And it was like, no, like, would you do, would you do something even though you're engaged? And it was like, holy crap, this is the norm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. It's, it's it's shocking, isn't it? Like now in a time, you know, we're going, we're jumping like so many years later, right? Uh, Now, Britney Spears, if she wanted to have a baby and get married, everyone would be for it. But remember when Britney got pregnant and she wanted to get married and they made her a mockery, made fun of her. made everyone you know they really you know put this young girl down for just wanting to be a woman and what that means how incredible that is and it's it's so gross but what isn't gross is how we've evolved right where we can now point at that and go that was wrong right but but that's the industry we come from we come from an industry when you talk about the sanctity of marriage it's looked down on when you talked about the sanctity of life. It's not uh, respected, regarded. Um, you know, when people talk about being feminist, it's like, well, 50% of the babies that are aborted are female. Who's speaking right. for them? Right. And so, and you're a mom, you're a new mom, of, and, you're, and you're pregnant. So, you know, all of that is, is such a beautiful thing that you can now share openly. But the industry that I grew up in as a young artist was not a you know Kylie Jenner time it was a time of you are a sex symbol and you have to be a sex symbol for everyone and you have to be available for the fantasy for everyone and you're not allowed to be anyone's wife girlfriend or mother so Crazy. so wild I mean like hearing you say it it's like yes it, it, it is there I mean and it still yeah. is the point um and I think it is changing to a point as well but I do think there's a lot of growth that still needs to happen and there's still oh yeah big time that need to happen but like you saying that out loud Kaya and like you actually voicing that it's like holy crap like that's true like that really is the story yeah. like for most people it's like if you want to be of a certain level if you want to be of a certain status, there are things that they expect you to do. And people think this is like made up and that this is like, oh, what you see in the movies. And it's like, no, this is the real deal. Like you're hearing it firsthand. Yeah. Yeah. And, but you can look back, you know, let's look back. I mean, Marilyn Monroe didn't have any children. Why? We can look back in history of some of the most incredible women in our, you know, industry they really had to do everything very private. It wasn't okay. And so now when you're talking about being a mom and a wife, it's now something that people look forward to, which is awesome. But at the same time, why hasn't this been something more 
discussed and and when we can see women on the like the real level of what it means to be a mom and a wife and and what that means to also be a businesswoman maybe we'll have a little bit more regard for how powerful it is to be a woman rather than saying well it's just my body it's my choice i shouldn't care like well no we should care this is exactly why like when i would run to my you know the people around me and say this is what i'm experiencing and they would kind of shut me down i actually thought i was weird something's wrong with me where i don't feel appropriate um you know selling myself in some way and you don't necessarily have to sell yourself to sell your your integrity or your your soul like you know it, it's i'm i'm such a very grounded human being my mom has always kept me that way um and my mom's always just been a champion strong woman single mom you name it uh so i felt like she was the only one that understood when i told her what i felt i said mom i feel like i'm going to end up wanting to take my life like this is too hard like i'm mentally broken i i i can't eat i i'm i'm being overworked i'm underpaid i have men <laughs> constantly trying to you know i'm having to push them off of me in the back of limos i mean the things that i had endured and this is all for just a chance to sing in a group i i feel like i'm going to end up being a really sad story where i take my life because all all i feel is like i'm constantly unhappy even though i should be happy right like i'm i'm in this incredible group right that the world thinks is amazing and little girls that's actually the the pivotal moment is i was when i knew i have to leave was mgm grand garden arena at divas live and you know patty labelle is wailing on stage and I'm, you know about to be performing with the pussycat dolls on national television and i had I was still aborting a child while I was performing. And this two little girls in the front row, um, one was like, maybe she was like seven or eight. And the other one was like, you know, five or six. And they looked at me and the little one goes, oh, she's a pussycat doll. And she was just so excited. And I was just like, I can't do this. I cannot do this because she wants to be me and there's no way in heck I would ever want her to be this. No way. Wow. And that's the, that's the first step of not being complicit. So we need more women to say, we don't want to be like that. We can be uh, integrity driven in the industry that we're all in. We're all thespians. We all love to create, but somebody's got to start making the active change and not just wearing a black dress and a pin and talking about it like these are real issues we have human trafficking issues but aren't we the ones that little girls want to dress up like so when they're you know on the road dressed like us are we in some way complicit that we've pushed this boundary and when does the boundary end when you know you don't know what a line is until you've crossed it when you keep pushing sexualization of young women to the point of no return you become desensitized. And I think we have culturally definitely become super desensitized to what we should be showing and what we shouldn't be showing. Yeah, I mean, wow. When you said you had that pivotal moment, literally as you were actually having like that 
abortion happening. I mean, that must have just been so emotionally just mind effing for you. I mean, you must have just. Oh, yeah. But I wasn't the only one. See, this is the thing is there are other women that went through this with GRL, with Girlicious, with Paradiso Girls, with Pussycat Dolls. I hope that they get the strength to come forward because I've already talked to some of these women, not the women that I actually was in the group with. The women that I were in the group with, some of them I've talked to as well. But, um, you know, Melody didn't rejoin the reunion. I'm so proud of her. Uh, there were other girls that I, I remember one of the interviews I did on radio, I had to do this radio show with one of the girls and I'm not going to just, you know, put her out there because she might not be ready. She's now a mother of three, but she was fired because she got pregnant and she actually, she, she had already gotten rid of a pregnancy and she got pregnant again. And this time he was her fiance, same guy. And so she said, I'm keeping it. Like I'm marrying this man. This isn't just a boyfriend anymore. This is, this is my heart. And I can't go through that again. And she was let go. So I hope that they get the strength to come forward, but I don't blame the music industry for that. I blame the, the handlers and the people that chose to be that way towards us. Um, because they're great people in the music business as they're great people in the music, or sorry, in the film business and in the music. So there are good people. There are good people. Unfortunately, for the most part, there are also a lot of bad people too. And, uh, you know, it, it is what it is, but, um, I hope they get the strength to come forward because it's not just me. I think maybe my story's resonating with certain people because they've either seen it, heard it, or they knew that it was real, or they've gone, you know, they've walked it. And finally someone's saying, hey, you know, but, you know, Rose McGowan saying that it, some of the stuff she went through, and I'm not in the, you know, the, the film world, but when I heard some of the stuff she went through, I just, I got really sad because I was just like, Imagine if all of us had spoken up a lot sooner, how many other people may have been, you know, saved in some way because you know, we gave them strength. But I don't think it could have been any other time than a time where, you know, we're really combating issues that I think people didn't want to look at. And I think the one thing that I, I hate devices and the internet and all of that, but in this time, I love that the truth is all coming out and you can't hide it because one site has it and then you, it's taken down, but then another site will, right? So right. you can't hide anything anymore. Everything's out there. Yeah, it's so true. And there's so much, like, like you said, like coming to light and being seen. And I mean, so, you know, you walk away from the pussycat dolls, you know, you make that decision, you realize that that is just not something that's serving you in your right. life anymore and you move forward and you become your own solo performer and you kind of restart how was that whole you know being able to walk away and you walk away from such a obviously huge opportunity and the people you're around and everything to then transitioning to literally just being you and having to kind of be guided by your own voice your own light and what you believed and like you said your faith i mean how was that to go from kind of one extreme to the other well, it was a slow process because I still was a pop 
artist and I still was formerly of the Pussycat Dolls. So for the, a period of time, I, I couldn't actually, you know, do any kind of booking without them wanting to hear a cover of the Pussycat Dolls, right? They wanted to hear something that was like that. So, and even producers would send me songs that were like that. So that was hard because well, I left that. I don't want to keep doing that, you know? So, but you have to pay your bills and your rent. And, you know, like I said earlier, you know, I had a dad who was incarcerated, a mother that was a single mom. I didn't come from a wealthy family. So I had to figure out how I was going to take care of myself. And, um, and even as I slowly started to do my own, you know, solo music. So that was, that was tough because I was still having to put myself out there physically in a sexual way, but also now I could control it where I wasn't being, uh, you know, propositioned or felt like I was, you know, being flogged in some way. So, so in that regard, I felt like, okay, I have control in that and in, in how much I show and what I show um, and that I'm not being constantly, you know, being sought after by predators. So I had that kind of control. So that felt good. But musically, I still was figuring out who I inevitably was. And again, I couldn't share my faith I couldn't share the things I really wanted to share, which was being who I am, because, you know, we can only be our best self and you don't want to be a second rate version of someone else. You just want to be you because there's only one of you. So I, that was a hard process. And I loved singing dance electronic music and the success I had in Europe with, you know, all the DJs that I got to work with. And that was exciting. So I love, I loved that. Um, and really when, I had to like now make a choice and step forward was back in, I would say 2016. Um, I started to really care about the issues, the bigger issues of, you know, hearing about certain things with Plant Parenthood and where organs are going from some of these aborted babies and things like that. Things that like, wait, I did that to, multiple times no one asked me what I wanted so they just take the baby and do things like what is this so I started reading and I started looking into things and with knowledge there's power right sometimes ignorance is bliss because the more that you know it's hard to unknow or unsee and so that then really kind of got me caring and wanting to know more and here was this you know candidate who was getting out there and talking about uh you know the sanctity of life and that you know babies outside the womb were going to be uh you know that they could be killed and that was okay that that was going to be going into law and i just kind of was like what <laughs> like no um and i really just got behind that you know that candidate donald trump i just was like i i, I really like this guy and I didn't think it was going to be a big deal. I thought like, oh, you know, I'm just going to wear a t-shirt and say I support him and didn't realize that then that would catapult a, you know, media storm of people wanting to know why and they were interested. And then at the same time, also being demonized, right? So it was kind of like one group of people going, oh my gosh, yay, you're, you know, you're, you're championing for things that matter. And then other people going, but he's all of these other things. And I'm going like, wait, I, I don't, I don't, well, I'm not even hearing any of those things. I'm just caring about like the sanctity of life and freedom of speech and freedom of religion and those kinds of issues. Um, 
but I was like, okay, God, so, you know, what, what do I do? You know, how do I, how do I kind of, how do I explain this? And actually Tommy Lahren, I was on Tommy Lahren's last show at the blaze. And I, I remembered the moment because she was like, well, you say you're a conservative. So what does that really mean? And I said, well, you know, um, I, I, I pray to God. I, you know, I second amendment. I love, I, you know, I voted for Donald Trump and I, and I said, and I, I support Jesus. I pray to Jesus. And I remember I just like confirmed it. I didn't go into, I just am about God. I, I, I stuck my feet in the ground and I just said, this is what I'm about. And that then was kind of like, whoa, that was even bigger than saying you were a Trump supporter. You were a Jesus supporter. That was like, no, you're not supposed to do that. I had people in the industry reaching out going, you, you know, you can't go back. You, know, you can't go backwards. Like now you've done that. You're going to lose like all your fans. And then the other side of the coin was I started getting flooded with messages from I'm LGBTQ. I'm a Christian conservative. I've tried to pray the gay away. Thank you for making me feel like I'm not alone. And that was rewarding. And that gave me strength to keep talking. Like this is more than just Trump. This is about freedom. And this is about being like God's children. And what, what does that mean? And at that point, I was like, well, I need work now. So God, you really need to help me because no one's wanting to hire me. I don't know what I'm going to do. And I was lucky enough that I got a call from Jason Crabb from Rascal Flats. And he said, I'm producing this record, uh, you know, this Jason Crabb record. Um, so it was Jay DeMarcus, sorry, that called me from the Rascal Flats. And he said, I'm producing this Jason Crabb record. And I, I said, oh, wow. And he said, so we're thinking about using Reba, Reba for this song, but um, you know, we're going to do something else with Reba. So can we get you in to do this? And I told my manager and she was like, no, you don't want to do that. And she's not my manager anymore. I'm really happy it didn't work out because I was like, I really want to do this. This is a Christian record. No one's ever given me anything like this. This is like what I wanted to do when I was six years old. This is like Whitney Houston. Like, this is awesome. And she didn't think it was going to be that successful. Um, but that's ultimately the song that I won my first Grammy with, um, and so that was confirmation, you know, with God, that was confirmation. God said, see, if you, if I gave you that gift, you prayed to me and I gave that gift to you. So you couldn't sing for, for your glory. You couldn't sing for the pussycat dolls. You can sing for DJs. You couldn't sing for all the things you wanted to sing for. Once you sing for me, I'm going to bless it. And he did. And so that was the beginning of me really going, I'm a Christian artist now and I can't go back. So people have released songs since that I was a part of that aren't Christian and I've never promoted it. And I've gotten really offended because I'm like, I feel like you're doing that because you know, now I'm singing for God and you want to show something that you've held for five years, but you could have released that five years ago, but you didn't want to, but now you want to, because you know, I'm singing for God now and that's okay. Wow. I don't. I don't mind, right? Weird, right? So I don't mind, I don't mind that, I guess I don't mind it because I'm like, you're just showing me who you are, but I, I don't, I don't really mind that people know my past. I'm not ashamed of the abortions I've had. I own them because I've asked for forgiveness. I talk about them because I love to hear women share with me. I heard your story and I'm keeping my baby. I've had so many of those stories. Um, that makes me feel good about sharing. That's why we're supposed to share. And we're also supposed to take the power away from the evil on this planet that tries to remind us 
of the things we've done to shame us in some way, uh, mentally, emotionally, and, and ultimately we don't then make better choices. So I, I like taking the power back by speaking about the things that I've gone through. I never take down photos of the past that I'm you know, scantily clad or what I've done because I want people to see the transformation of God within me where they go, this is a different person. Like she really has given her life to God. I'm not ashamed of who I was because we're all broken. I'm, I'm, I'm proud that I'm here now, but you have to see where I, I started to understand the transition and how light in this world and God is that light. When you hand your life to him, there is no going back and you go from being you know, a girl that doesn't love yourself, doesn't respect your child, doesn't respect your body, doesn't respect men. How do you expect men to respect you? Uh, you know, you, you think all of those things matter into someone that really understands what beauty is. And it, and it, it is about being a, a better human being, not only to yourself, but if I'm going to have any kind of podium to speak to young girls, really to share with them what not to do, because if you can hear my story, you can definitely say, though, that's a lot. Yeah, don't do it. It's not worth it. Just be who you are. You are enough for God. Wow, what a message. I mean, you know, I'm sorry you were, you know, treated that way. I mean, unfortunately, as we know, it's a polarizing time and it doesn't give any excuse yeah. to why anyone should be treated any which way, because at the end of the day, what, who you are at heart and who you are as a woman and the light that you bring to others. And I know you personally, like, that shouldn't matter, whatever, you know, you choose, that's yeah. your, what your choice and, you know, what you do. And, and, you know, I think it's amazing though, that you ended up getting such an opportunity and getting a Grammy for it. I mean, how incredible is that? You must've felt so like, not only just confirmed that you were on the right path, but like, wow, this is an opportunity that I'd like, this is something I've been dreaming of my whole life. And now it's finally here. Yeah. And so that's, that's the thing. It was, it was, it was a bittersweet moment too, because my significant other, his, his father was in the hospital and I had to make a choice. Like, am I going to go to the Grammys or am I going to stay with family? And we had just started really being together. And I just prayed about it. And I said, God, what do I do? And he said, if you really love him, you've you got to be with him. You've got to stay. You're not going to go to the Grammys. And I said, okay, that's it. So we were in the hospital and I texted uh, Jason. I said, you know, let me know if we win and he texts me back like five minutes later he said we won sister we won and I just started crying and Derek looked at me and goes you guys won because you did the right thing you know you put family first and like and I think that's the key is like it, it was a bittersweet moment because, but at the same time it, it doesn't diminish it any less because I wasn't at the Grammys at the time it really life is about family and it's about connection and being positive and I think we make it too much about glamour ourselves and things that really don't matter. You know, they, 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 they may look pretty, you know, online and social media and fun to watch, but at the end of the day, family should always come first. And, um, and I, I, it felt amazing to win and it, it definitely did, but it also was a reckoning of just kind of now really singing for the Lord and like, plugging into what that means and you know now i'm you know releasing songs with the producer i had when i was a pussycat doll how crazy is that the guy that produced the pussycat dolls is a christian now too and he now is writing 
for, for God. And it's kind of like, whoa, amazing. Like such a shift, right? So it, it's, it's wonderful. But I definitely didn't think I would be here. You know, when I first said I was going to leave that group and all my friends and family said, you're crazy. Why would you do that? That's silly. Don't leave. They didn't know, you know, um, and I definitely didn't think, you know, almost 15 years later that I would be now here with a Grammy Award singing the music I really want to sing, um, connecting with human beings, trying to make positive change, sending ideas, you know, into a board of women that I'm a part of for the president, <laughs> you know, like I never thought that that would happen. Yeah, no, I mean, it's a, you know, it's an incredible story for you for everything that you went through. And like you said, the actual evil that you dealt with, you know, truly, um, you know, in the industry. And I think too, you know, myself, look, like you said, humans are flawed. We all are. And, you know, even my, yeah. you know, even myself when I was styling, you know, and I was, a, you know, quote unquote, you know, it girl of styling and getting all these, you know, major press features and celebs and everything. Yeah. So, you know. You know, yeah. it's very easy to get swept up and be in the moment and be flying everywhere and just do whatever, you know, people want you to do and to act the way they want you to act and kind of essentially conform yourself and your ego takes over instead of your actual light and soul of who you are. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, and you know how alluring it is and enticing it is. I mean, it is for anyone because they just see the glamour. They don't see the hard work or the sleepless nights or the, really the, it's, it's, it's hard like anything in life, right? Life isn't easy, but if you want something bad enough, you got to stick with it and you can't let it break you. Even if there are bad people, find better people. Even if like my dream was to sing, it really wasn't, you know, just to be famous. It was to sing because I love the way it made me feel, but I also love the connection with other human beings. That was the most incredible part of singing, like was sharing. And just because I endured some hiccups and people that weren't good, doesn't mean that that should end everything when it comes to music. And I, I think that's really the message is, whatever your dream is, no matter if there are, you know, you encounter people that don't believe in you or they're bad people or they're mean, or they put you in situations that are really difficult. If you make it out, don't give up on your dream. Just because you encountered bad people along the way, you got to keep going forward. There's always going to be people that, you know, want to break you no matter what. Even if, you know, even if you're a construction worker, even if you're a medical, you know, worker, it, it, there's always going to be people that don't believe in you. But I think if you continue to focus on your race and running that race, it might take longer, it will be harder, but ultimately I do think that uh, God knows what's in your heart and his desires for us are so much bigger than our own. So as much as, you know, we have an idea of what success is, sometimes his is bigger and we just got to be patient and hold on to faith. That's really where faith kicks in is believing without seeing it. So true. And such a good, you know, message for 
right now for anyone listening, doesn't matter where you are on the spectrum or, you know, what you believe, it, it really is a good message because I think that in such a heavy time right now in the world and everything being very uncertain and things kind of feeling dark, it's important mm-hmm. to remember that like we are all light. We all can bring light to this world and, you know, be of that light to each yes. other. And that's a really, you know, beautiful message of what you said, because yes. it's true, you know, and it, it, I mean, it's so true with like, you know, you were even saying with your transformations, like even myself going from where I was to now being a mom of two, like my life has completely changed and my perspective has completely changed. And I look at things so differently. And like, when you spoke about the trafficking, like that was something that I had heard about, but had kind of like ignorance was bliss. And now that I'm a mom, I've like dove into it to like no end. And I can't believe all the things that I've found learned and how horrible everything is happening. And now I'm trying to bring light to it and speak on it daily, you know? And it's just, um, and so it's a very, you know, I agree with you. It's when you choose to like really believe in yourself and find your higher source and, you know, believe in all those things, like yeah. you, you know, you align and things change and, and, and that light kind of comes out of you in a way that like you didn't expect. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing too, that I notice is in this time, there's a lot of demonizing, right? We are constantly watching the news and they're constantly polarizing people against one another. And the truth is, is that like, you know, we should be bringing more positivity because we're so powerful. Each of us are so powerful in our thoughts, in our words, in our actions. And, you know, when we plug into uh, faith and the creator and like really focusing on getting even better messages for ourselves to be better human beings, that has a ripple effect. So even if everyone feels everything is upside down, just remember God is in charge and like, you can only worry about you. So I try, especially now where people are getting sick or they're worried or, you know, there's high stress or they've lost their home or their job. Like there's real stuff happening everywhere. And it would be wrong to be like, well, I'm only just going to think about what I'm going through right now, or you know what, because the TV tells me to hate people, and then I'm going to, you know, not like this group of people. I know a lot of people that don't agree with me politically that are good people. And I pray for everyone, even the people that hate me. I, I try to say that a lot on my page because I think a lot of people assume because of my political views that I you know, I'm all of those things that I'm really not, that I'm this and I'm that. And I really want to now be more of a, you know, a bridge creator of saying, no, we don't have to agree. We can agree to disagree, but I don't hate you. I just want to fight for the rights of everyone and have, and continuing to have those freedoms because right now we're all in this together. So we have to be kinder to each other, even when we don't see eye to eye, just try to take the higher road, you know? 100% right. It's such a good, such a good message to take away from this is like, no matter where you stand, no matter what you feel, like we are all in this together and we are all here for the collective, for each other and need to remember that and need to remember to be kinder. And I try to do the same thing too. When I talk to people online, I'm always like, look, oh, your page is super happy and kind. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, thank you. But uh, you know, I mean, every now and again, I do post about, you know, trafficking and different things. And people will say like, you know, well, uh, you know, I, I have heard this and this is conspiracy of this. And I'm like, look, the, you know, it's, it, 
it, the numbers don't lie. You know, there's exactly. 2,300 people that go missing in the United States each day, 900,000 each year. Right. You know, the $150 billion industry. Yeah. 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 And, and look, it's, 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 something's wrong. Something is going on. Something's wrong. And we do need to pay attention because when we talk about trafficking, you know, um, currently, you know, it surpassed the drug trade and it is about to surpass the arms trade. It is an issue because versus like a drug or arms, you know, a human being can be sold hundreds of times in a day. That's a serious problem. And that's not a problem just because, you know, so-and-so says it's a problem because it could happen to you, your child or your neighbor. We don't need that. We've got to be better to each other and we've, we've got to shine the light in the dark. And there's a lot of darkness in this world everywhere. But I've always used, and, and I'm sure you too, we always try to use our voices for issues that matter, whether it is the LGBTQ community, whether it is the black community, whether it is for freedom of speech, whether it is for feminism, whatever it is, we always try to support our friends. This time, it's really about supporting the ones that are the most vulnerable. And, you know, when Indigenous women are the number one trafficked, uh, you know, when you talk about like from Central America to here, just, I mean, this is, this is an issue. We got to talk about it. And it is not something that people want to look at because it's heavy. It is heavy because you don't even want to fathom that that kind of darkness exists, but it does. And we have to shine a light on it, even if it's just for a post or a moment. Hey, we got to do it. If we can do it for shelter animals, why not even that much greater for a human life? Yes. Oh my God. Yes. Preach. Seriously. I've been trying to tell people <laughs> that. Like, I'm like, look, like this is a real thing that's happening. It doesn't matter what's around it. Like, like you said, the numbers don't lie. There is a problem. There is a major issue. Like we all need to start paying attention to this and doing more research and speaking up and using our voices, especially now, obviously myself as a mom of two, like I just, I, I can't even like focus when I see these kinds of stories anymore. Like I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to get louder. How do I get louder? You know, it's yeah. like, it's just, it's wild to me. And I so appreciate you Kaya that you, you know, not only like, you know, share so much on your page and on your social platforms or anything you do, but you are loud about this and you do share about this and you've been, you know, at, you know, I know like very peaceful like protests and things that you've had to participate in to help with this and, you know, do all these things with campaigns. And it, it's so important, you know, and so thank you for, you know, being courageous to do that work. Thank you. And you too. I mean, even if it's just a post, that's, that's taking a step out on a limb, you know, and we need all of our voices matter, no matter how big or small the platform is, you know, I, I think we can be a chain reaction of change and positivity. And when, when we really say this is an issue and everyone needs to pay attention, that's when the lawmakers pay attention. That's when the bigger people pay attention. When the common people say, we're fed up with this, we care, you know, you got to fight for it though. Unfortunately, that's how it's always been. I mean, I look at Reeve Walsh, like John Walsh's wife, she, they lost their son. And in that process, when you hear about how the National Center was even created, it's kind of like jaw dropping. There wasn't a state to state uh, dialogue. So when Adam was taken, the thought was if he crossed into another state, 
because had he, you know, at the time they thought he was just kidnapped. Um, there wasn't a dialogue from state to state. So that's kind of alarming that there wasn't a dialogue when a kid is taken and could be gone to the next state. So she kind of championed with other parents who had lost children as well um, to create something nationally that could figure out a way to, to really work together from state to state to find missing kids. And if you go to the National Center website, the, the number is alarming and they're all currently missing. And I think everyone needs to be found, right? Everyone needs to find their way home. Even if they're not alive, we still need to know, you know, their families are still waiting for them. So yes. it's, it's, so it's, a, it's a serious issue. It's, it's not something just to throw away. Um, and I'm really happy what, you know, this administration's been doing. They've been really fighting it. Um, and that makes me super proud. And if that was, you know, all they did, but they've done much more than that. But if that was all they did, then, you know, they 100% have my support. Yeah, no, I understand. And I mean, look, like you said, it's a, it's a real issue. It's becoming an even bigger issue. It's something everyone, no matter what side of the spectrum you are, need to open yeah. your eyes and look at this and see this and see what's happening and how these numbers are growing and how more and more go missing and, and, and ask yourself, like, why is that? And why are things not being more done and what is going on? And, you know, we, we do need to question. I feel like we're in a time right now where, because we are so many of us in lockdown and quarantine, all these things, like there, like you said, knowledge is power. We are starting to like kind of wake up in a sense and be able to yeah. say like, mm, maybe not all this is a hundred percent right. And maybe I should question this and maybe I should question that. And, you know, it doesn't mean conspiracy. It means really doing the research and, and looking yeah. into what things are. And like you said, knowledge is power. Yeah. It, 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 really is. I mean, you got to do as much as we watch, we should also like read and try to have our own opinion about things because, you know, that's the only way to really know what's going on. Someone can tell you a bunch of things, but if it's not, if it's, if, if it's just hearsay of what you're hearing, you know, you gotta, you gotta look into it. You gotta see what's up and see if it's something that you're compelled to really feel passionate about, but I don't know how anyone could not look into certain things and not feel more compelled to, you know, the same way that people are really compelled about climate change. Okay. That, there's the science. Okay. Do you see these numbers? Have you checked out our rescue? Have you checked out, you know, what Tim Ballard has seen and gone through? Um, you know, there are real warriors on the forefront for all of this that are, you know, they, they, they're the people that are hunting these bad people that are doing these things. And uh, they have to look at evil on another level. And I, I, I don't think we understand the depths of it. We're just looking at the photo of, you know, the girl that's missing or the young boy that's missing. But when you start to understand, like, there are other human beings behind this. Why? Why are they so dark and lost? What's making them do this? Um, you know, that's even more of a reason why we need to pray because something's severely off where another human being could ever hurt another human being in this way. Yes. So true. And I love that you brought up Tim Ballard because he was on my show and he, <gasps> yes. I love him. him. He's I awesome. Love him. Like, oh, love him. he is a warrior. <laughs> yes, he is. And he is such a good man. And he is so just incredible in everything he does. And yeah. he came on and he shared, you know, what we're talking about, the hard facts, the real numbers, the darkness, you know, his foundation, everything that they're doing, everything that they're fighting. And, you know, it's just, 
it's incredible what OR Rescue and Tim Ballard are doing. Amazing. He's, he's amazing. Like I literally, when I first talked to him, because uh, my friend was like, you know, can you speak at the event that we're going to do? And I was like, super, I, I got super emotional even speaking. I couldn't finish speaking because it was just too raw mm -hmm. for me. It was too raw for me personally. And knowing what I went through in the industry and what a, young women are going through all over the world, it was just too much. Um, but I remember when I first talked to him, it was just like, I just wanted to say like, you're awesome. You know, you should be rewarded on all of the things you're doing. You're, you're a hero, like a real hero to, to go after, um, really seeking after finding these people that need to be home and, or find a better home than the one they came from, because these are lives and not no life is greater than another so how can we just disregard these issues you know i i love what he's done with our rescue and the nazarene foundation and i i had seen videos and heard about what they were doing uh over three years ago and i wasn't allowed to share because it was you know very confidential stuff and really also very graphic stuff and um I just kept praying like, God, please like help them, like help this get fixed, please. Um, you know, now everything is public. So everyone knows what's going on, but they've been working behind the scenes for a long time. I know it's so wild. And again, I only recently, you know, fell in, you know, into this whole world and this whole problem and issue. And when I connected with him and, you know, started finding all these facts out and, all the real stats behind it and everything it was literally jaw-dropping like holy shit this is actually really happening yeah real freaking problem like this yeah. is so devastating this is so dark i mean i know I'm, I'm with you i mean i've been sick to my stomach over it so many days and i feel the same way and i'm like if i can just get loud you know each day just to make people see that there are other things going on and this is something we all need to come together on as a collective and as a whole you know people that maybe we can make a change yeah we have to it's it's time for that you know i think there's been enough time of uh if you if you uh if you look up what a missing person definition is is their location and fate are unknown and that is like there's been enough time for people that are really their their location and fate are unknown like we need to pay attention now this is a important issue uh this should not the numbers should not be on this level we're all complicit as a society if we continue to know and don't say anything or at least try in some small way to make change however we can whether it's donating to a local shelter that takes in these women there are many uh, you know things that have been implemented now about once young women children all of this that get out how do they even reacclimate because they're so broken um into just being you know from the ptsd of what they've had to endure um and so it's important in any way that we can help we try to help and that's just being kind and the human connection like and which is so crucial so if we're not a part of the solution we are a part of the problem 
It's so true. Wow. That's like really powerfully said, but it, it, it really is. It's so true. I mean, Kaya, I seriously could talk to you all day. You're such a light. I know, we had such fun. <laughs> you know, like you're such a light. You're so like everything you share is just, there's so much heart and goodness behind it and just honesty. And again, like it doesn't matter like where you are, where you sit on what side, like the, who you are as a woman, who you are as a person and what you share and how pure your heart is and how strong you are. I just absolutely like adore you and your light. And I just thank you for being so courageous and so, you know, open about so many of these issues and speaking on them and being voices for others and sharing your transformation, everything you went through in the industry. And, you know, I'm so sorry you went through those things. I'm glad that you're able to share them and make them part of your story and help others. You know, what's next for you? Like you, you know, you have so many amazing positive things going on. You know, what, like, are you working on your music? I know you just released, I want you to share what you just released that I saw on your social media of your song. Like tell us what's going on. We have, so Imagine just came out with uh, my group Paradigm for Christ. So it's myself and Damon Elliott. Uh, he's the producer that I had when I was in the Pussycat Dolls. He's also Dionne Warwick's son, uh, Whitney Houston's cousin, actually. Um, and he, you know, he's produced everyone from Miley Cyrus down, uh, but now he's producing a lot for Faith. And uh, we got together and we've been doing music. Um, and now I'm doing even more faith music. So, you know, Imagine just came out. We have Lift Your Hands for Jesus that will be out in the next uh, week. Um, just because I, I think people need some positive, uh, you know, real praise and worship, but all like dance electronic uh, hip hop. So it's like, wait, this is for God. And it's like, yes, we can be very cool and for God. So it's a flip on uh, just doing secular music. You know, it's, it's taking uh, things that were known as secular sounds and really plugging them into people that would never listen to a Christian record necessarily. So we're trying to push the boundaries just on the Christian side of how we can reach out to those who are broken, who would never walk into a church. And currently with COVID lockdowns, we're not able to. Um, so we have those songs coming out. Uh, I just started uh, my own uh, show basically with pastor paula white's uh, new program which is um the lifetime women ministries app and so it's all women talking about their faith and uh, kind of how they've gotten to the place they've gotten to and so i'm going to be filming more with them and sharing more about the lord and really you know getting deeper into uh, discussions about god so I'm excited to be launching that, um, which I think should start next week because uh, we've already started filming. Amazing. And, and you, we're working on a, uh, you know, a studio, a streaming, uh, a streaming service, and it's a movie and television studio that uh, all creates film and TV programming, uh, not necessarily all faith driven, but all pushing the boundaries on you can see the light through the darkness. So we're trying to push a lot of positivity in a world that's very dark, because we need it. And we also, as believers need to really start uh, getting stronger in our faith and understanding what that means and being a warrior for God, what that means and not being afraid to share and trying our hardest to really raise the bar on uh, a lot of things. I think we've become a bit fair weather Christians on certain issues. We're not willing to look at certain things. We don't want to talk about certain things. Well, we have to now because this is where we are. And uh, yeah, so that's, that's what I'm up to, um, to releasing new music and 
talking more about God and focusing on entertainment and helping those in entertainment have a platform that is positive for them to not feel like they have to change who they are to still create because we all should be able to create together and there should be no divisiveness no matter no matter what but if you are a believer you shouldn't have to feel like you're selling your soul for your fame i love that that's another powerful message and i mean like you said you are uniquely you you are only you and you should be able to be you so kaya thank you so much for being on today tell us where we can find you and follow you oh, well they're suppressing me right now <laughs> I'm very vocal about everything um but you can find me on parlor at kaya jones k-a-y-a jones on twitter at kaya jones uh, we've just launched with Rumble, so all my music will be over on Rumble, which is like their uh, the video streaming service that's uh, going up against YouTube, but I'm also on YouTube um, and also on Facebook. It's Kai's Music, K-A-Y-S Music. Um, so yeah, you can just Kai Jones. <laughs> Perfect. Well, thank you so much, love. Continue to be the light that you are, and thank, thank you so much you. for being on. Till next time, guys, continue to always be you and be inspired and be the light. Thanks, Kaya. Bye. Thanks, Allie. Thanks for listening to Everything with Allie Levine. If you loved this episode, please leave a review, screenshot this episode, tell a friend, tag us on social media, subscribe. Tune in weekly for new episodes and to continuously be uplifted, empowered, and inspired.